a lot of the policies and a lot of the decisions impact young people the most. The young people bear the brunt of insecurity and conflict. This is Leoni, a youth activist from the West African country of Ghana. Here she expresses a common concern shared by young people across Africa. A concern about the lack of youth representation in the continent's economic and political leadership. It's it's absurd that how a continent can be so young, yet the leadership and the thoughts and the views are so, so, so old. And she has resolved to do what she can to contribute towards raising the voices and representation of Africa's youths. In 2020, she established the African Youth Security Network, an organization aimed at raising young African voices to influence leadership and policy across the continent. The end goal is to influence policy and is to create a structural change that would make a better society for young people across the continent. We want to be able to make a better life for people who know nothing about us, who have never heard of us and who are just able to enjoy living in a better society due to the work that we're doing. On this episode of the Climb Podcast, we speak to Leonie about her work and we find out what more can be done to raise the voices of young people in the world's most youthful continent. Welcome to the Climb Podcast, where we tell extraordinary stories of the African youth. My name is Leonie Mills. I am currently residing in Accra, Ghana. And yes, I am the founder of the African Youth Security Network. Leonie Mills is a young activist and communications professional from the West African country of Ghana. She is the founder of the African Youth Security Network, an organization she established to connect youths across Africa in a bid to find mutual solutions to the political, economic and security challenges facing the continent. Now, for someone with such passion and lofty ambitions for the continent, you will think Leonie has spent her entire life on African soil. But that wasn't the case, because her journey started elsewhere. I didn't grow up in Ghana. I did not grow up in Ghana. I was born and raised in the UK, in London specifically. I was actually, or yeah, I was actually the first person in my family to be born in the UK, The rest of my siblings and my parents were all born in Ghana, but my mom decided to move after she had my older sister. So even though I was born and raised in the UK, I was very much in a Ghanaian household. It was always made clear that the UK is a temporary situation and that it was just for a means in order to gain a good education quote-unquote good education and then we would eventually at some point you know move back to Ghana and be living in Ghana so that is where where I was actually born and raised I went to public public school free state education school however that translates and my primary school was a good school my secondary school however was not a good school um there's this mindset that because, you know, like education is free, 
Um, it means, and in the UK, that it's automatically better at certain points. But yeah, my secondary school education was not good. I had no interest. Like I was not passionate about anything during secondary school. And I was just, I was smart enough to get by during secondary school. Um, that is how I would describe growing up. Despite her difficult experience in secondary school and her lack of passion for anything, in 2010, something happened that ignited a process that created the activist that Leonie has become today. But fast forward to, I would say, till I was about 15, and it was the 2010 elections in the UK, and that was a turning point in my passions and interests because the UK government were saying, in that they were going to triple tuition fees for university and also scrap uh kind it's called EMA but it was a bursary that if you were from a poorer household you would get in order for you to go to sick form or college and they were going to scrap all of those things and I was 15 I couldn't vote I couldn't really do anything so I just took an interest in watching the news and politics and what was happening and I would say that is when my passion for politics really started it was just the fact that the government were doing things that would impact me greatly and significantly and I could literally do nothing um, and as we know the conservative party of the liberal democrats tripled tuition fees scrapped all the bursaries um, and it made life well, it made life what it is that it costs so much to go to university now. Um, but yeah, I would say that was like my formative years. Having developed a passion for politics and activism in her formative years, Leonie carried forward this passion into the university where she joined different African student societies. But interestingly, she discovered that beyond social events, these societies rarely engaged in discourse about the political and economic future of Africa. So she decided to fill this gap by launching a different African student society. So the main problem I found at my university specifically is that there were so many societies that targeted black people at different points. So you have the African Caribbean society which was supposed to bring together African and Caribbean student, students, you know, to come together. However, at my specific university, it seemed very, it was just a very social um, atmosphere. It was just like to meet people, to get friends and that kind of thing. There was nothing deeper that was really discussed or explored at that society. Then you had African um, society. So there was a Nigerian society, a Somali society. There were just lots of different groups. Um, and that was more so for international students who have come and, you know, they want to find their community. Then the university had the Black Minority Ethnic Committee, which I was a part of as well. And that was for, you know, minority students in general, so that their needs would be heard at university level. So I've saw that there was a space for Africans and non-Africans to come together to discuss and learn more about the socio-political economic issues that were happening 
in Africa or that were affecting Africans at the time. So yeah, that's why I started the African Affairs Network. We had various events, um, various discussions and panel events. And we would also invite lecturers as well to come and speak for us or with us. And I just saw that there was a gap and I was like, well, if nobody is talking about these things, then I want to create a space where we can speak about these things. And this also was because I was studying international relations and politics. And I found that a lot of my modules were discussing Africa as the subject. Um, Africa wasn't given its autonomy as you know, separate countries. I studied things to do with civil wars and wars and terrorism. And you can understand how a lot of those things are falling within the African continent. So it's like, all you're hearing about is, oh, and then there's um, there's terrorism here and the country has collapsed here and there's corruption and there's bad leadership and all of those things. But from an academic perspective, it just seemed very negative and there wasn't really any discussions on you know, what is our position and our place in these issues. Following the success of the African Affairs Network in 2010, while she was studying for a master's degree, Leone decided to take things up a notch by launching the African Youth Security Network, an organization with bigger plans and loftier ambitions. The idea for the African Youth Security Network came out after my master's. So we had a module on youth in um, on youth in Africa, but I should say that I studied um, security, society and leadership at the African Leadership Centre. So all of our modules were geared towards studying African societies. And this one module on youth and how do we define youth and what are the youth's position in conflict and violence and peace building And I realized that a lot of the things we were studying or investigating or exploring came from non-youth people. So that specific experience is was actually the catalyst. But I do think that the African Affairs um, Society that I started gave me a good foundation in knowing what, what is important to young people. So from establishing the African Affairs Network during her undergraduate studies, to now launching the African Youth Security Network during her postgraduate studies. Leonie's passion for Africa and its young people has only continued to grow. She tells me more about the ethos of the African Youth Security Network. So the main ethos is to center young people's voices in peace and security discourse on the African continent. That has been central to everything that we do we want to we know that young people are interested in these topics not because from an academic lens but because it's their daily realities we know that these things to do with peace and security impact young people and we know that they have views and opinions and thoughts and ideas and they just need a platform to share them but something that actually came out of it that we didn't realize we were doing was the pan-african element there is it's it's so weird being african at times because you are seen as a monolith but then you are also 
so separate as well. And what I mean by that is outside of Africa, it's like, oh, you're Africa. It's like Africa is a country. They don't care if they're talking about Kenya or Mozambique. It's just Africa. But then when you're actually in Africa, you realize how segregated and siloed everything is because so much of the culture and the news and what we're fed is actually what is occurring outside of our country and our region. So we're more likely to know about what's happening in France or America than what is happening in Tanzania or or Tunisia. So one of the unexpected but good outcomes that has made us shift our ethos is actually learning about what is happening in each other's countries and having an insight into what is going on in our neighbours or across the continent. And that has been something that has, it's just been so useful. Um, And it's been a great asset as well, because as different and as diverse as we are, so many of our problems are so similar, unfortunately. Um, Yes, so many of the problems are similar. But what we found is that, okay, there's a climate crisis that is happening and it's affecting us all. But there are young people in Kenya who have all already started an organization and are dealing with it so what can we in Ghana learn about it like what we don't have to start from the bottom we don't have to start without we don't know what to do like we can learn from one another so that has been something that has now been incorporated into our ethos about harnessing these pan-african conversations so that we can learn from each other now in terms of our goals and our dreams right now we are purely virtual um we have you know, a very engaged community and we have um, a small group of active members that we regularly speak to. And when we have our events, we open it up. But the dream is to have something in person, to have something face-to-face. And whether that is a conference or just some sort of residency where young people from across the continent come together to brainstorm and learn but also to produce policy that they can then that we can then send to you know our governments whether that's the regional blocks or the African Union so that you have something concrete coming from young people's perspectives. Raising the voices of Africa's young people and placing it at the heart of a continent where the overwhelming number of leaders are over the age of 60 is no mean feat. There are countless organizations and activists across the continent who are also actively engaged in this struggle. I asked Leonie about the reception and support her organization has received so far. The reception is always positive. There is never like, oh, you people shouldn't be doing that. Um, I think that the issue, at least for me, is when we need actual help. Um there are a lot of people who are there to give us praise and it's like, oh, what you're doing is fantastic. It's necessary, you know, all of these things. But then when it comes to concrete support, so that might be like, oh, can you put us in touch with this governor or this minister? We would like this person to come and speak and all of that. Then all of a sudden it like wanes off. But aside from those kinds of things, we continue to push forward we continue to follow through and I think that's what um like when 
they did contact me about the interview in Al Jazeera, it proved to me that no, there are people watching and listening and there are people who see our work, even if they don't say anything or even though they can't offer us any, you know, practical support, there are people who actually value the work that we're doing. Um, and I think that has been that has been the most encouraging when you see people who hear of you before you have to introduce yourself. Starting from humble beginnings, today, the Yoni's organization continues to expand with members across Africa and Yoni herself conducting international interviews with Al Jazeera and other international news networks. Based on her experience so far, I asked Yoni what advice would she give to African governments regarding working with young people? The one piece of advice that I would give governments is to is to work more on being um, a meritocracy in not even just in Africa, but globally. You can see that nepotism and corruption, especially in politics and leadership, is prevalent. You know, politics is all about relationships and who you know and all of those things. But if governments could just work a little bit more on being um, on having a meritocracy where they are able to pick and find young people who are exceptional and excellent from across the country, bring them together and have something tangible that will contribute to policy. Just, just that would make such a difference because what tends to happen, I will use Ghana as an example you have young people within politics. You have young people as advisors. You have young people who are in the president's presidential staff. And that in itself is not a win because they are the president's children. They are the minister's children. They are the minister's niece, nephew's cousin. And they all have the same mindset. They grew up relatively wealthy. They schooled abroad. They came back. It's like how can you or solve the issues of people who are who have who don't have that background but in Ghana you have this elite class of people who are young and informing policy and their whole thing is that they are young but they're in positions of power but they don't really reflect or represent the majority of the people and that's why it's so important for the African New Security Network to get the authentic views of young people within the continent. So what's next for the African Youth Security Network? Yoni tells me her team has lots of dreams and lots of ideas. Yeah, we have we have a lot of dreams, honestly, and we have a lot of ideas, but a lot of it just boils down to, you know, time and resources and manpower. So we are run exclusively by volunteers there's no income at the moment um but while we do have members <clears throat> from about about 30 plus african countries we do want to create regional offices so that the work can be more focused right now we are actually we are actually um sourcing people from east africa because we want to have an east african hub where you have people who can 
you know, you speak about your issues, but obviously there's a lot to learn pan-Africanly, but if you're in your region, then you can know what is actually realistic and what is feasible. Last year, we had our first mentoring scheme where we paired people who were exclusively members of the network with other people within the network. So we, even though we are for young people, you know, there are young people who are in their 30s and then there are people who are in their early 20s. There are people who have who are in entry level university and then there are people who have seven years experience. And we were, we saw that the most successful partnerships were people who came from the same country or the same region. Now, while there is a lot, like I said, there's a lot to learn and discover within the continent, but it's something about having someone being able to relate to your context and your climate and what you're going through. Unfortunately, what might work in South Africa just won't work in Ghana. No matter how good the idea is, the country, the society, the challenges, the government is different. So from that mentoring experience or that, okay, we paired two Nigerians together and it was really useful because they were able to speak about things that were so specific to their country that maybe other people can't relate to or we paired two Kenyans together and they were able to meet and get things done and while it's good that someone is there virtually you know it's nice to have somebody that you can meet up and see face to face and discuss so in the future we do hope to have these sort of regional hubs that can serve as a point of contact for people within those countries to produce country and region specific um, policy and those kinds of things so that it can relate. As I concluded my interview with Leone, I painted a big picture of what it's like to be a young person in Africa today. From unemployment to a lack of opportunities and a general sense of hopelessness that is causing more and more young people to flee the continent. I wondered if Leonie had any advice or words of assurance for young people who are currently going through this difficult phase. Understandably, my question was a difficult one, but Leonie had an interesting take. Uh, that is so diff- That is so difficult. I'm so sorry. That is so difficult. It's not that there is no hope or nothing to hope for, but the situation across the board, honestly, is so dire. Like, it's... It, it literally has gotten worse things have but we, it's okay we know how the things are um and i never and i never want to discourage young people from leaving either and that's another thing when we speak about young people it's like you know it's that it's either they're leaving the country or they're joining gangs and either way the state of the country or the economy depends on young people it does and i just want I would like young people to understand their power and to realize how much control over their own lives that they have, but more so to not feel like a failure if one thing didn't work out. There are so many people who leave the continent, go and hope life is better, and then it's not, and are afraid to come back because shame. I want the young people who did that to be able to come back and just find something else to do. I want young people to also, it's just, it's just so hard. 
it's just it's just so hard and i and i get it and i just hope that they don't give up i think that's all i can say is to just keep trying because the odds the odds the odds that we are fighting is it's not easy so i would just like young people to know that there are people people who see what they're going through they understand and they are trying to make things better and if they have any sort of idea or passion that they should try and pursue it yeah This episode of the Climb Podcast was hosted and edited by Jewel Atedobright. Special thanks to Leonie Mills for allowing us to tell her story. The Climb Podcast is a podcast collaboration between the Channels Media Group and the Ferrosology Institute for Africa at the London School of Economics and Political Science. Thank you for listening. <laughs>